All right. Well, let's try and get into it because I don't want to keep you for too long, and I'm going to try and get some stuff done here too. Yeah, I'm on quarantine time, man. So no, uh, no problem here. Uh, so how much longer are you going to officially be self-quarantined? Because they said 72 hours, right? Yeah. So it's been 72 hours this morning. It was 72 hours, but we don't have test results. And so they basically told us, um, they were like, Hey, we're not going to keep you off from work. So if you feel healthy, then go ahead to go to work at your own risk, but don't come to a drill this weekend. Cause you might have COVID. So it's very... <laughs> It's very, uh, I don't know, it's funny. It's hey, regardless of the COVID part of it, that's really nice of them to give you the weekend off of drill after spending an entire week doing riot control in Washington, D.C. <laughs> but if our results do come in and we're negative, then we will be at drill. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so the results aren't even in. Like you called and asked and they said they don't even have them. Yeah, I waited for like 30 minutes. And this isn't the military's fault. This is, um, well, not that I'm blaming anyone. Well, I kind of am, whatever. It's <laughs> it's the health department is who we did it with. And they told us our results would be in within 72 hours. So the army put us on um, 72 hours of orders. So during that time, we don't work and we'll still get paid. And that time was up this morning. And so, but we still don't have results. And so now we're just trying to figure out what to do <laughs> so, yeah. yeah that is delicate i guess yeah it is interesting but they're say, they're saying all kinds of different stuff about the covid situation than they used to be so who knows what's actually legit and what's not yeah i've felt that way this whole time and not that they're doing it intentionally, but things get put out. Um, I mean, one thing that I'm sure we'll talk about more is the media. And the media is incentivized to be the first ones to put something out. Yeah. And so they're not really incentivized to double and triple check information. They're just incentivized to be first. And so you're going to get, you know, this might be true. And then however many places will just spew it out there and then. They'll be yeah. going back, and that's why I think we've gotten things back and forth on, oh, you shouldn't wear a mask. Oh, you should wear a mask. Um, you should do this, that. You shouldn't do that. Like, asymptomatic people can or can't pass the, the virus. Like, there's just so many things. Yeah, just so many streams of information. Yeah. Um, all right, well, um, I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into um, – what the influence of the media um, as our conversation moves forward. Um, but more uh, re relevant to your specific experience recently. Um, but just by a way of quick uh, introduction to why we're even here and why we're having this call, um, this is my brother, Gordon, and he, I'll kind of give um, the outsider's perspective of what happened and then you can kind of tell um the real version of 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 why we're on this call um you are a member of the utah national guard um, in the army and you guys were activated and deployed to washington dc um recently to go help with the protests and riot control 
that was going on there. Um, and that is as detailed as I'm going to be in explaining what happened to you. Um, and so I'll, I'll let you just go ahead and say, um, yeah, really what it was that you were doing. Yeah, so we got a call. Everything was very fluid. Um, this might be exaggerated a little bit, but um, basically we got a call to meet at Camp Williams, which I live a couple hours away. So kind of within 20 minutes, um, they took volunteers. So it wasn't like everybody had to de deploy there, get mobilized over there. It was, they took volunteers. I volunteered and probably within 20 minutes of getting the text message, um, I had left work. Um, pretty soon after that, I had left my house, like maybe 30 minutes after. Um, within you know, a couple hours, we had been issued all our stuff, and maybe five hours after getting the text, we were already on the bird on our way there. And, you know, that next morning, we th flew through the night, and that next morning, we were actually at the White House. And so everything just happened super fast. And going there, uh, they gave us a little media card of what to do when the media talks to us. They kind of gave us what our mission was and everything, because on the way there, it was somewhat unclear. Like, yeah. we knew that it was riot control, but we didn't really know the extent of, like, our jurisdiction, what we were really doing. So reading through, that was kind of our guide. So when I was on the plane, I was just trying to memorize it. I was just reading it over and over. So I knew what to say, kind of what uh, my job was there, which was essentially uh, to defend peaceful protest, to protect property and preserve human life. So we weren't there to shut down protests. We weren't there to stop people from protesting or speaking or silencing people's First Amendment rights. Uh, but we were there to keep people from destroying monuments, from uh, burning buildings, uh, ha be becoming violent, so that kind of thing. Thank you. Um, so walk me through your you said that, you know, the text went out or the message went out, however, and they were asking for volunteers. Um, so walk me through uh, kind of your personal willingness to volunteer, how that felt and, and why you why you felt eager to, to get involved. Yeah, I... Or maybe eager is the wrong word, but willing and ready. <laughs> uh, there was quite a bit that went into it. Not going to lie, one of my good friends that I deployed with was going so there was some peer pressure involved <laughs> <laughs> uh, but mainly what it was was when i first saw it i was like oh this isn't a good time like i've got a co-worker out of town at my civilian job so i know that i'd be putting a lot on them um i've got a newborn at home so i'd be putting a lot of responsibility on my wife to be alone with him uh so like my initial reaction was like ah it's that's that would be really cool to go out there but it's not a good time but pretty quickly it sunk in kind of just what kind of opportunity this was and that this was i mean staying apolitical i don't care who's in the white house or or what just the idea that you can go defend the nation's capital and um I, this isn't really what we do so i'm with like a i'm attached to a special forces unit and we don't do riot control like i don't think I will ever have this opportunity again. Yeah. Um, and so 
it was just this is unique and it's something I can't miss. And so luckily my wife is very she's really strong. And I went and just told her like, hey, what would you think about me going to D.C.? She's like, when? And I was like, immediately. <laughs> now, right. Now. <laughs> yeah. And she was all she said. She's just like, hey, go with your gut if it feels right. And it just felt right to me. So I took off. Man. Yeah, that is really crazy. Um, and I think that pressure put on the wife is uh, that's tough. And that's going to that's going to be there no matter what. Um, but I also think that there's an interesting dynamic um, with the coworker situation, because you said you had a coworker out of town. So if you're not there, it's going to put a lot more pressure on on other people with the business. Um, and, and I think that not that I would say would say that like anyone deserves to have more pressure put on them. But I do think it's interesting that um, even in like a small town in Utah that has been, I'm sure much less affected and involved in like protesting and rioting. Um, there's this opportunity for citizens of that town to somehow even out a little bit of the overall burden, right? Because you're a little bit worried about potentially leaving more weight on your workplace. But but also at the same time, there's so many places in the country that are feeling so much weight because of the things that are going on. And then there are places that are in some ways virtually unaffected by it. And so I do think there's a pretty interesting like ripple effect there where it's like, you didn't want to leave anybody hanging, but at the same time, this was kind of an opportunity for somebody who's pretty far removed from a lot of the big stuff that's going on to be able to like take a little bit of the weight in order to send a little bit of help somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's right. And in some ways hearing you say that it was, it worked out well in that way because we weren't there to be on either side. Um, we were there to be mediators. And so when we were on the front line, protesters in front of us and police officers behind us, we were really there just to be a middle ground because, um, I mean, people are, are obviously upset with the police. And um, most people, some people kind of affiliated us as being the same as them. But, I mean, most rational people I talked to, like, were just thanked us for being there. Like, hey, thanks. We're glad that you're here. Um, thanks for all you do and they just wanted to be heard so like uh, there was definitely like the violent people and stuff but for the most part like I feel like people saw us as that middle ground just the mediators we weren't really on one side or the other and we came from a part of the country that was like you said pretty disconnected I live in a pretty rural area that hasn't been affected much by the movement um, hasn't been it's not super diverse to be honest up here it's not uh, it hasn't really been affected by COVID. So we were, we were pretty removed from it and it put us in a good spot to see what's going on, but also not have a strong stance either way. Um, I've said this already to you and I'm going to say it again. I think that it's really cool. And I'm actually, I would say a little bit jealous even that, uh, you had this opportunity to, um, to get like kind of a more inside look at some of the things that are going on. Right. Because there's so many voices. There's so, there's so many things happening in so many places 
and it's always moving and it's always changing and there's so many voices some stronger than others and uh all we can really do is is kind of take uh, take as much as we can from each voice that we're listening to and 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 build the best picture and best understanding that that we feel that that we feel good about um and and go from there and so I think that it's really cool that you were able to take this opportunity to get a little bit more of like a a much closer look and kind of an inside look at you know one of the places where there was a lot going on and uh, the effect was being felt pretty strong. Um, so I, I don't know if you can just kind of speak to uh, yeah, kind of the that inside look that you got versus versus the look that you were building, just looking at things from the media previous to actually going out there. Yeah. So I went into it pretty blind because uh, the media is very polarizing and social media is very polarizing everybody. And it's good that everyone has a voice and that we can do things like this. And um, I think it's great. And I think everybody should be listened to. But you need to be aware that there is a lot of misinformation out there. And so um, that's just to say that I've muted a lot of social media things and I hadn't been paying close attention to what was going on. So I went out there kind of blind, but I had heard kind of two narratives. And the first narrative is that the police were um, using brutality against protesters, like peaceful protesters. And I'd also heard a strong narrative that... Um, the protesters weren't really protesting. They were just looting and rioting and wanted to burn the city to the ground. So I'd heard both of those. And so I went into it kind of like, okay, either way, there's going to be this big, um, like violent thing we're going to get tossed in the middle of. And to be honest, like both of those narratives were much more false than true. Um, the average protester and the average police officer would probably get along really well from what I saw. The police officers were there. They were working long hours, um, had people yelling at them, demoralizing them. And they were just there trying to keep the peace. Uh, they were basically told they can't use any force unless uh, like their life is in danger. So from what I saw, the police officers were not using force unless things really got out of hand and people were being hurt. Um, and then they still had to use the minimal amount of force just to get things under control. Um, and then on the other hand, the protesters I saw, um, the first night we were there, there was a fence. We were behind the fence, um, like at the White House, and people were tossing things over the fence at us and screaming at us and shot off some fireworks and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, um, kind of going along with the narrative at first, like, oh, these people just want to fight, you know. And then the second night, we were actually face to face with them. And I just saw that, like, the strong majority of these protesters are extremely reasonable. And they were just, they just wanted to be heard and they were just talking to us. And um, they would self-police as well. So when you did have the few crazy people that were, weren't really there to protest, they were just there because it seemed like a, a get-out-of-jail-free card to just go create some chaos. Um, they, would, they would grab their own guys and they would tell them to get out of there and so um, it was just interesting seeing both those narratives. Uh, they get news because they're extreme, but 
they are the extremes. They're not the norm. And so uh, I just think that's really important to keep in mind that the media is going to make us look a lot more divided than we likely are, in my opinion, uh, from what I saw. And um, that divides largely being created not just from media, like large media outlets, but as well as social media outlets. Uh, we had, when you're on the front line, you'd have a lot of people that would throw things at you and, and scream at you and say all kinds of things just to get a reaction so that they could get like a five second video clip of you um, reacting and hopefully like violently because that will fit their narrative that the police are um, using brutality. And so they're not going to film that four hours beforehand where the police are being um, very patient and letting them do it, whatever they want to do. And uh, they're only going to post that five seconds where you react. And so uh, it's, it's just very important to realize that a lot of these little quick clips with no context, they can't be taken at face value. Uh, so that doesn't mean don't listen to anything and don't believe anything. But it just means to dig deeper and just keep your mind open that every little five second clip you see is not going to be entirely true. Yeah, you in what what you wrote to me. So as as further explanation, um, after you got back and kind of processed through a bunch of this stuff in your head. And I think also after we like actually talked about some of it, um, you said that you like took the time to unpack the whole experience and then you wrote out a very long message that you shared with uh, first your wife and then you shared it with um, our siblings. And one of the things that you said to that point you just made is that um, the truth pretty much always exists somewhere in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just, and, and I think that like, man, the weight that I feel like I've been feeling throughout all of this is that, um, yeah, it's hard to find that spot and, and it's, it's hard to, uh, yeah, it's, it is difficult to like comb through all of the voices and all the different things being said and all the different ways that, that the points are being presented and find that middle spot. But also from what you're saying and the experience that you had, uh, I mean, it's definitely just so worth it to not end up on one of those far sides that you said you found were much more false than they were true. Mm -hmm. I think that you, you spoke to this a little bit when you're saying that uh, some of the people that were there were, you know, there with kind of the intent to provoke. Um, and I asked you this while you were out there and we were messaging, but, uh, as as you spent time actually there like with crowds of people and right in front of people um what what did you gather was the was the actual intent of the people who were there and gathered for a long time um because going along with what you said previously about you know the two strong narratives you know there's probably one narrative that would lead you to believe that the intent of these people is to storm the white house and burn the place down. Mm -hmm. And the other narrative may lead you to believe that they're, uh, you know, they're just there to be peaceful and, and have a, a, you know, a peaceful civil dem demonstration. Um, so, you know, with the experience that you had and the time that you spent there, what, 
what was the intention of the people? What was it that they actually wanted to get out of being there and gathering there? Yeah, so from what I saw, the earlier in the day, the more peaceful and honestly powerful the protest was. Um, so uh, the later at night it got, uh, it was like, you know, those peaceful, law-abiding people, um, and I am kind of generalizing here, but it, to my, you know, my opinion, from what I saw, majority of those people that have jobs that they need to get up for in the morning and um, maybe have kids at home, things like that, they would go home at a pretty reasonable hour. So there would be a ton of people there, like way more people during the day than at night. Um, but around, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, most of those people would go home and you'd get left with the very extreme people. So I think the those ex- extreme people were probably there earlier, except the I think the cause was very, it was a powerful cause, like listening to these people talk about, they just want uh, in there, they think that uh, the system, the justice system uh, isn't like, you know, fair uh, for all people. And they're just there to do a peaceful demonstration about that and try to have their voice heard. And when they would go home, I honestly didn't know what the people, I didn't even know our first night, we got there kind of late. And I honestly had no idea what the protest was even about. Like I'd heard the news tell me, but like I couldn't tell from the people throwing bottles at me and just screaming like F you and F the police and, you know, F Trump. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure exactly what, this is like i've heard 10 different things that you guys hate but i'm not sure exactly what this is but earlier in the day seeing the larger crowds and uh that's why like i don't want to to make it sound like it's either of the extremes because earlier in the day i mean it was very peaceful uh people would talk to you and we couldn't really talk back we were face to face with them but we're just there as mediators like i said but i would listen to them and um it was pretty cool hearing them to be honest just saying they just want to be heard they just think that there's changes in positive improvements social justice that can be you know put into place to just help um the police force and things like that it wasn't unreasonable it wasn't violent uh it was just as it got later it would bring a lot of the crazier people out um in the time that you spent standing there and uh, you said you couldn't really, you weren't really supposed to converse with these people. But in the time that you spent there, like uh, really getting to listen and hear what people had to say, are there any specific people or um, or moments that stand out in your mind um, as particularly powerful things that were said or presented to you? Yeah, so my first time on the line, and I have a little bit of regret about this, um, because I just wish I would have conversed a little bit more. And we weren't, we were told don't really converse with them because, um, for one, we're there to look for threats. If you get really drawn into a conversation, you might miss something that's happening around you that could potentially hurt uh, or kill someone. And so we were really there to be, to keep things peaceful, keep that security. But also, we didn't want to show them that we were completely with them because we were supposed to stay apolitical. Uh, but anyways, my first shift, there was a girl in front of me that 
uh, her and her friends were there, and she was like, she was like, oh hey, how are you doing? What's your name? And I didn't respond. And she was like, she's like, hey, like it's all love, like it's peace. We're not, we're not trying to like be angry or mad or violent. We're just here to peacefully protest. And she gave me her fist, like trying to get me to like, to like dab her up. And I was like, I didn't do it at first. I was like holding my shield. I just like looking straight past her. And she's like, oh come on, one of the other guys did it. Just do it. It's all good. Like it's all love. And I eventually kind of awkward. One sec. Sorry, I gotta go open the door real quick. Oh yeah, go ahead. All right, sorry, man. Um, so she was holding her fist out. She wanted to dab you up. Yeah, so I eventually um, gave in. Partially, like I said, peer pressure got me again. Um, I heard other guys did it, so I was like, okay, that must be okay, because I didn't, I didn't want to do the wrong thing, uh, because I knew it was a very like sensitive environment, where there's cameras everywhere. They're seeing everything you do. Yeah, you're, you're, on, you're on the razor's edge, man. Yeah, if you do something you're not supposed to do then you're going to be all over the news and guys are going to be like, yo, why'd you do that? And so um, I eventually was like, okay, she's being super reasonable. She said somebody else did it. So I dabbed her up. I eventually told her my first name and that's all I gave her about who I was. But I was like, I was like, my name's Jordan. And she was like, Hey, I can tell you've got a good heart. Like, I know you probably don't want to be here. This isn't what you signed up for. Um, and we don't want to be here, but we feel like there's something important that needs to be said and changed. So we're here and um, we appreciate you being here and we just want to keep things like peaceful. And she went on and on and on um, just talking about how they just wanted positive change. They didn't want violence. They didn't want um, any of that. And I didn't really speak to her beyond that. When it was my turn to leave, somebody patted me on the shoulder. We'd take shifts. We'd do like 30 minutes on and then we'd do like 30 minutes to an hour off, depending on how many people were there. And so my 30 minutes was up. Somebody patted me on the shoulder. And um, before I left, I just told her, like, I gave her a nod and told her I'm listening. I was like, I hear you. I'm listening. And I, I left because uh, it was pretty cool just listening to them and not being able to uh, kind of, um, we, we all have our confirmation bias, the things that we believe are true about the world. Uh, and those kind of cloud us from listening to other people and other things that don't really confirm our beliefs. And this was just a chance for me to be in a situation where up in Logan, Utah, like I would not be in this situation any other time. And so I just was able to just listen and not speak and just hear everything that they, they say is going on in their life. And I mean, all of them in front of me were African American and it gave me kind of a glimpse into their life. And honestly, it was really cool. Like I gained a lot of respect for them and for, uh, you know, using the first amendment effectively. And I mean, again, like not, I'm not going to be on either side here, but it's an election year. Like if you ruin this chance, uh, for positive change by becoming violent, you're, you're really ruining a good chance here to make change that you want to make because we've got elections coming up and if you do it uh, correctly you, they've got they've got a lot of numbers and um, I, I respect them for trying to do things the right way and just keeping it peaceful out there that's amazing man um, I uh, 
yeah, that's a really cool point about yeah being put in a position where yeah you just get to listen and that's all you can really do, and so the the communication's not so clouded by whatever might be like easy knee jerk reactions or responses. Um, and then afterwards you can kind of take the time to like take what you take what you experienced and what you heard and what you learned and put it with what you already feel like you know or feel like you understand. And I mean, yeah, what better way to find find that kind of the all the truth and and, and gather it all in for yourself. Gosh, I feel like if we wanted to, we could actually like talk about all this for a really long time. Um, but I guess I would just ask now, um, I mean, given what you've already mentioned, um, what, you know, if you could kind of outline a few main uh, takeaways that you as a person feel are important, but also specifically from like this experience that you had um, as we, as, as a world and as we, as people try to like move forward and, and move everything in the right direction. Um, do you have kind of a few takeaways as far as like uh, how we can, how we can and how we should move forward and, uh, and continue to do things and shape things in the right way? Yeah, and you kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, I've got a couple different things, but this one you kind of dug into a little bit. Um, I firmly believe that the truth does lie in the middle um, almost 99.9% of the time. It's in the middle. And um, I don't want to say to completely disconnect from social media and from you know, listening to other people, because that platform's important and we need to listen to other people. But listen, but don't always believe. Don't believe things right away. And um, we talked about confirmation biases. And with so many different media options nowadays, you got your CNNs and your Fox Newses, your MSNBCs. And then, I mean, those are just the major ones. You can follow hundreds if not thousands of different media outlets nowadays and yeah totally you can really dis at a young age you can determine what your narrative is what you believe uh the world's like and for entertainment purposes like that's fine you can say this is how i view the world through the lens of fox news and i will watch fox news every day and it will entertain me and um i will just believe that's how the world is but if you're looking for truth I think you need to actually step out of that bubble, your confirmation bias bubble, where you feel safe because that's what you know, and you need to actually dip into the other side. And that doesn't mean that um, everything you believe is false, but um, I mean, we all hate being wrong, right? And so, yeah. I mean, I, I hate being wrong, and there's been things that I've held on to for so long just because it's easy to just keep your beliefs and not hop into the other side at all but going forward i see that being the only way is to to dip in here and dip in there and don't give 90 percent to your confirmation bias bubble your fox news and then give you know 10 percent to cnn like try and level it out hear the other side and realize that not everything you're going to hear is true but there's probably some truth in everything that you hear and um 
I just kind of saw that out there because there was a lot of things said about us, whether if we were out there, if it was legal, why we were there, um, what our job was and like who we were even. And rarely did I see anything in the news and was like, oh yeah, all of this is true. Like (laughs) half the time they didn't even know who we were. They were saying we were from like South Carolina or saying that we weren't even like army or like they just didn't know. And so I don't know if it was bad intentions or just laziness, except there's a lot of misinformation out there. And part of what they put was true, but I saw it on both sides. I saw like conservative social media things that showed picture, pictures of us sleeping um, on the ground, like in the grass. And they were saying, oh, Mayor Bowser, you, you booted them out of the hotel because we did get, we did get booted, but we got put in another hotel. Uh, so it was fine. And we were just sleeping because we weren't on shift and we had very long days. And so we'd go lay out in the grass, but people got pictures of it and would put it on me like social media and stuff and say, oh, Mayor Bowser, you kicked them out. And now they're homeless, but still protecting your city. And it just wasn't true. Like we were in another hotel. Um, and then we'd see stuff on the other side where, you know, like I said, people would uh, spend hours trying to get us to react. They'd throw things at us. They'd yell things at us. They'd do everything they could to get a reaction. And they would just get that five second clip of us reacting. And I saw it uh, our first night there. Some of the protesters got gassed because they they were throwing rocks at us and they had broken the fence that was leading to the White House and were just throwing things at us. So some of the park guys, the park police, um, I believe is who it was, like did just get some like riot control gas and got people to disperse a little bit to get things under control. And it didn't show the hours of them throwing bottles and rocks and bricks over the fence. It only showed that four seconds of them getting gassed. And so um, it, it happens on both sides. I saw like more conservative, more liberal things there. And it just made me realize like we need to step out um, of our little, our little confirmation bias bubble. And the, ju- the news won't be as juicy as those things show it because honestly – most people are reasonable and most people are good. Like the news probably won't get as much attention if they show that. So to an extent, it makes sense. A bunch of reasonable people sitting around having real conversations. Just quite as uh, enticing. And that's how most of the trip was, man. Like most people I saw were reasonable. Most of the cops I saw were reasonable. Most of the protesters I saw were reasonable. So There's that. And then kind of the last thing, and I put this also when I sent you that message, um, but it's a quote that I liked beforehand, but I thought about it so much out there. It was uh, Dan Crenshaw, and he says, um, try hard not to offend, but try even harder not to be offended. And so much of this, like the media, like we've been talking about, it's just there to get us outraged. It's there to get us angry. Um, they play to your narrative and your biases and they would just use it to, to work you up. And honestly, you find inner peace and clarity, in my opinion. Um, for me, at least, I've found inner peace and clarity when I don't see a clip that is meant to, to get me angry and I let it get me angry. Like if I dig deeper and find the context and I find what's going on, I'm like, oh, this isn't something to get super upset about. And there is real oppression out there. There's real problems. And those are something to rally behind. But you got to take some time and not 
not believe everything you see, not be easily offended, um, not be easily outraged. And a lot of the time when we get offended, people aren't even trying to offend us. And so if you're offended, like unintentionally, then that's honestly just silly. Like, I mean, if they're not even intending to offend you, um, then you're making yourself a victim and that's not hurting the other person. They don't even know. Um, but I just feel like we've seen a lot of that with, with all of this, um, you know, trying to get five second clips of us. They're just trying to get a five second clip that would paint us as oppressors and them as being victims. Right. And that victimhood is almost like a badge of honor and there are real victims out there. And so this isn't doing them any service or it's not helping the real victims out at all because there's people that are, you know, um, just out there trying to to paint their narrative as them being the victim and um, for whatever reason. And so those were just a lot of things on my mind when I was there. And I just kind of mentally unpacked as I got back to just kind of help me stay mentally healthy um, and kind of sift through some of the news and kind of find the truth and get out of my confirmation bubble a little bit to really see the world for what's going on and what good causes we should get behind and what change, you know, really needs to happen. Who'd have thought, man, that it's going to take some, it's going to, it's going to take some effort and some hard work to really find where the most truth is and find where you can stand that will serve everyone the best. You know, it's you tough. <laughs> I wish I had the answer. People <laughs> have asked me like, Oh, where should I go for news? And I'm like, Man, I don't know. Maybe read like 20 different, uh, <laughs> 20 different newspaper headlines and see which ones have a common theme. I, you know, I don't know. It's opportunity cost isn't really there because yeah. it, it takes, takes so much work. But it takes work and it takes time. It takes effort. Um, but I think there's a lot here, and I think that uh, the last thing I want to say, and, and this is really important, is that my my purpose in having you on here to talk about this is not. Uh, is not um, to take a side on any of these issues, is not to um, give information that should sway somebody one way or the other, but more to uh, highlight the process that you went through, the experience that you had in, um, you know, seeing it, kind of seeing it one way and from one angle and, uh, and then you put in some time and you put in some work and you're willing to uh, you're willing to put yourself in front of things. You're willing to listen and you learn more. And the way that you see things um, is expanded, becomes more meaningful, um, encompasses more. And that is what and, and, and also, like you just said, you know, you, you took the time to to mentally unpack and kind of process through things. And and that's a huge mental health thing. And so in a time that I think is. Um, you know, there's a lot of burden on a lot of people for a ton of different reasons and a lot of people who have questions and a lot of people who um, view things from a, a very strong perspective one way or the other. Um, you know, I would hope that all people could be seeking to have the experience that, you know, not, not everyone gets to go to the front line, right? But, um, but everyone could seek the experience to... Um, to get a little closer to the issues in whatever way you can and take the time to listen without speaking and uh, 
yeah, just all of us do the best we can to to find the most truth and find that spot in the middle where we can really hopefully serve everybody, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and if uh, I could, if oh, I could yeah, say like one last thing, um, being in that middle ground and seeing having the police behind us and having the protesters in front of us, um, like I said at the beginning, it made me see that we're not as united as, or we're not as divided as maybe we think we are. I think we're much more united than we're off, often painted to be. Um, if a lot of these people sat down in a, in a neutral setting with no badges and no signs, and they just talked, like they'd probably get along just great. They'd have a lot in common. Um, truly, it was uh, a positive display of just humanity for me to just see these are all people. They've got similar um, life interests and life passions. They all, you know, are here because they care about their families, care about duty, responsibility. And I really, truly believe that America is not uh, far gone, that we are much more united than uh, we maybe think that we are. Amazing. I think that's a perfect spot to leave it. Um, so one more time, man. Thanks so much for taking the time and uh, talking about all this with me. Thanks and, for having me. Yeah, Appreciate of course. It. Maybe we'll do it again sometime soon. Yeah. All right, man. Be safe. And uh, I just really hope that you get to pick up your baby and play with him as soon as you know it's really, truly safe. Oh, man. I'm dying. I'm dying a little bit inside every minute. I'm sure, man. Um, so anyways, thanks. Thank you for your willingness to like go out and do what you did. Thank you for like serving in that way. And thank you for taking the time to share all of this experience with me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I was right. grateful for the whole experience. So, and thanks for having me. Of course. Love you, man. Talk soon. Okay. And we're back. This is a lot to say. I'm pretty excited about this episode. I just want to give a quick little intro. Don't want to spend too much time uh, so we can get into it. <clears throat> but I did mention on a recent episode that I wanted to um, get my brother on here. Uh, he is in the National Guard and was deployed to Washington, D.C. a couple months ago uh, to basically be a part of the riot control that was happening. Um, during a lot of the protesting and rioting and looting that was happening there in the nation's capital. And I wanted to talk to him about his experience. He was able to get like a very like front lines perspective, literally front lines perspective on some of the things that were going on. And uh, he had some thoughts to share. And so I wanted to talk to him about that. So um, my brother's a great guy. Um, he's has always been known for, uh, just being able to like see the best in people and keeping a group of friends around him that is like extremely diverse and very inclusive. Uh, and so I was excited to be able to talk to him about something, uh, so socially important. So, um, I enjoyed the conversation a lot. I hope that everyone else enjoys it as well. Um, and I ask people to please keep in mind that like no part of this conversation is us trying to take like a hard line on either side of an issue. Um, but just discussing, 
you know, what it means to be a human being and uh, learn how to learn and, like, navigate the process of becoming better and, uh, and understanding the world around us in a better way. So, without further ado, here is my brother, Gordon Reed.